The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to today's episode of Minding My Black Business Podcast. And I am your host, Dr. Janae Taylor. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, my sister, Francesca Taylor, or Fran, as I call her. Fran is a black entrepreneur with business interests in both art and urban planning. Her art chronicles her journeys in travel and in life. You can follow her on Instagram at Urban Planning Traveler for more information and to see her work. So let me introduce to the family my sister, Francesca Taylor. Spoons, what? Travel buddy, commiseration partner, (laughs) Netflix absorber. (laughs) (laughs) My sister, ladies and gentlemen, my sister is here. She's in the building. Um, She decided to grace us with her presence. She didn't really have much of a choice, um, but I figured what better way um, to begin this conversation about how entrepreneurs do their thing was to start with my very own sister. So her name is Francesca Taylor, and she currently resides in Miami, Florida, where she is a senior urban planner. and she is going to talk to you a little bit about what she does, but most importantly, why she's here is she is going to share with us how to have a life and have a business. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that. So welcome to Minding My Black Business, friend. Thanks. Thanks for um, having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> And we are glad that you are here because, you know, the family wants to meet my family. And so here it is, live and in living color. So they don't know that we're recording this video so I can see you and you can see me, which is cool because I'm in Virginia, you're in Florida. So it's always good when I get to see your your big head in your face. Uh, (laughs) So at any rate, uh, Fran. What in the world is an urban planner? Because, you know, help your sister out uh, and inform the, inform the people. Tell us what an urban planner is. Sure. So urban planning um, is a profession that helps um, kind of create and mold the built environment. And it also um, does a lot of delegation on what types of businesses and um, structures can um, occupy a certain space. Um, it also del- delves into economic I'm sorry, environmental issues as well as economic, um, housing, et cetera. So urban planning is, is very broad. It's like someone saying that they're a doctor. Um, they could be a doctor in, in many different fields. They could be a general physician. They could be a pediatrician. They could you know, be a specialist. 
similar to urban planning. You could have someone who's kind of a general um, type of planner who does, um, you know, everything from the economic development and zoning um, and transportation issues to someone who's a specialist and really kind of um, delves down into one particular um, interest or focus group. Um, so I am um, someone who deals, who, who has delved in transportation and economic development, and I hope to kind of continue that. Um, my general interest in um, urban planning is community redevelopment. You know what? I forgot to tell the people that um so you are an urban planner by day, right? Mm-hmm. Your entrepreneurship happens at 501 PM, right? Oh. And so, <laughs> so I'm curious, does your um, day job as an urban planner and fixing our communities, is there any overlap between that and the businesses that you've started? Is, is there any connection between the two? Sure, I hope so. Um, so in urban planning, we have these things called um, art in public places or public art. Um, and so my my business that starts at 501 is Avador June. It's an art business. It's something that I've created over the last few years. Um, one of my other interests is traveling. Hopefully, um, you know, optimally, all three of those things are something that I'm able to um, kind of blend together. Um, so the optimal situation is where I'm able to travel and learn more about cities and how they express themselves through art and that that inspires me to create more art pieces. Ah, so tell us about your art. What do you, what, what, what's your, you know, I have very limited art yeah. knowledge, but what's your medium and stuff? Because I feel like that's a, that's a valid question. Um, charcoal and paint and such. Uh, what is a, what is your subject matter? Okay, that felt like a real art question. So help us, help me. Tell us what, what, what is your art about? Okay, so my art is really just kind of um, uh, a lot of representation of the people that I know in my life. And then sometimes I just kind of get these um, interesting visions or thoughts and I and I'm, I say to myself it would be interesting to see that on a canvas um so um for instance I have one piece that is um a representation of all the women in my life my mother my sister uh, my grandmother and myself are in one piece I have another piece where it's um me and a lineage of ancestors um, and then some other pieces that are a little bit more um, imaginative and less literal. Um, there's one that is um, the sun setting, but it's also a eye. Um, and so I call that one I see, and it's a kind of a double entendre. It's E-Y-E-S-E-A. It's an eye setting on the sea, but it also looks like the sun setting on the water. So I like to try to play with play with perspective and also have a little bit of kind of literary or um, yeah, literary kind of viewpoint to a piece as well. Um, My medium is oil. I started off with acrylic. Acrylic is a little bit, um, in my opinion, it, it drives a lot, it drives a lot faster. So it's a little bit harder for me to kind of tame into what I need it to be. Oil dries slower so I can, you know, 
caress and maneuver it ac across the canvas the way I need it to be. Um, and I try to do very vibrant colors, something that kind of that something that you can kind of step in and feel warm um, looking at it. Um, but at the same time, it's not muted or subtle in, in any way. And, uh, you know, I'm a co-sign on these paintings because I have one hanging up on my wall. It's dope, y'all. It's dope. I have to take a picture of it to share with you. Um, so how do you manage? So right now you've told us that you have uh, a full-time gig. Um, you are an artist um, in terms of painting and you are a traveler. So, um do you sleep? Do you do you eat? What's what's popping? How do you manage all those things? That seems like quite a busy day, quite a busy week. Right. In the best case scenario, I'm able to. So let me back up for a minute. Art for me has been a kind of a release of um, frustration. Um, I started painting when I was in grad school. I went um, to study abroad and all of my other cohorts were able to paint what they were seeing, you know, or, or draw what they were seeing right on the spot. And I was really jealous of their skills and ability. I even asked for a few of them to give me pointers and they, they happily did. Um, when I came back from that um, travel abroad experience, um, I pledged to myself that I was going to try to iron out a way for me to express myself visually um and so i did and, and again i started with acrylic and then ended up with oil um after a while painting for me became a um a tension release like it it became um kind of cathartic you know if i i could similar to the notion of vision boards i can kind of paint what i wanted to see and so i think you know, the best case scenario is is still that for me. You know, if, if I'm having some type of frustration in my, you know, nine to five, then my five to nine can provide me a way to um, iron out those frustrations on a canvas. Um, so that's one way that I kind of relaxed and help create a cycle where what I'm doing on a professional level helps my helps my business and vice versa. You know, I'm quite curious about two things that you just said brought up questions for me, and they sort of take us in two separate directions. So I'm going to start with the one that's probably closest. So you mentioned that art within itself is your self-care. Mm -hmm. And so um, can you talk to us a little bit more about the role that self-care plays in your life? How often do you use it? What other things do you do? How do you know when it's time to inject that into your life? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think I'm getting a little bit better with it over time. This year, especially, like I can hear a little, um, not even a voice in my head, but just a, I'll have a moment when I say, you know, before you do the next thing, you need to take care of yourself first. So I think um, self-care is an evolving process for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can include things like painting, writing, something as simple as like taking a bubble bath, you know, like just taking a little moment to chill out, get mindful, um, not really... Um, beat myself up about some of the things that I might have done in the day, but really understand the 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 actions behind or the thoughts behind my actions so that I can, you know, um, move forward. Um, 
and yeah, painting does help me kind of do that. But again, I think there's other ways in which I can engage in self-care, yoga, Pilates, um, hanging out with friends, people who are creative. I think that helps kind of pour a little bit more energy into my energy bucket. So I think all of those things kind of helps me to re-energize. Okay. Okay. So then the second question, which had, which sort of takes us into a different direction, um, Mm -hmm. is around these spaces that you occupy in terms of, you know, I'm wanting to do more traveling, you know, I'm an urban planner. And so even like you reference your trip to your study abroad trip to Italy, um, you were one of the only chocolate chips, right? Okay. So, so (laughs) let me me explain to the people what I, what I mean when I say chocolate chips, I mean black people. So, uh, (laughs) so I'm curious about, because I think you're doing some things that sort of, um, put you in spaces where you might wind up being one of the only chocolate chips. And, um, I'm curious about how how you manage that because I know sometimes for me I'm not gonna speak for you, but uh, that can have um, you know sort of like a a double edged feeling one of like okay I'm here I'm here to represent for us or I'm not here at all to represent for us I'm just being right. Right. Or, man, I wish it was somebody else who, you know, I could look at across the room and we could, you know, had a connection. So, um, so sometimes it can feel both good, both bad, or, you know, quite neutral. But so in these spaces, in terms of like the urban planning world, um, being more of a world traveler, um, to what extent does race uh, come up for you in terms of either how you make decisions, um, how you feel like people might look at you when you enter the room? I mean, as an urban planner, you're having to make presentations to the community about how their how their neighborhood is going to change, right? So mm-hmm. here you are, Francesca Taylor, um, stepping up to the plate. And um, do you have any second thoughts about like even like what I will wear? How do I speak? What do I present myself as? Am I... Mm-hmm. Fran Taylor and my Francesca Taylor, you know, mm. this is a quite a long question, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of heavy too. Uh, okay. But see, yep, yep, it is heavy because we got to get there. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna stop talking so that you can, <laughs> so that you can answer the question. Sure, sure, that was a lot. Tell us, us, tell us, um, in whatever fashion or way that you that you want to. Okay. Um, role that race plays in both your nine to five and, um, your after five sure okay so um in my nine to five race plays a big role for me one of the reasons that i became an urban planner in the first place is because i didn't think that there were a lot of black voices um in the field and i thought well okay maybe i could be one of them you know not wanting to be like not for one instance, thinking that I can put like a cape around my neck and save the world. But um, to a certain extent, I think anybody who is in public service wants to be able to um, be helpful to a larger um, population. At any any rate, what that looks like on a daily basis is that um, I may be the only chocolate chip, as you would have it, in a meeting. Um, And so I have to think, I have to say things like, you know, I have to think about things like transportation equity, which is the ability of all people to access um, different, you know, 
geographical areas um, with whatever means of transportation that's available to them financially. So, you know, I have to think about things like that. I have to talk about things like gentrification, which is very, um, even in a group of urban planners can be a very uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I just have to kind of keep those things at the forefront, but not wear them, but not come into every conversation with an expectation that our communities will be disenfranchised, but really have an open mind um, and keep people honest. Um, and that's on, you know, all sides of the playing field. Um, sometimes I've gone, we've had situations, I've been in situations where I've gone to community meetings and there aren't a lot of um, minority representation in our community meetings. So, so it feels like, how do you get people in, involved and engaged? And, um, you know, it's something that's really tough. Honestly, I've talked to a lot of fellow urban planners who kind of understand the issues of, you know, there may be minority or lower income communities who may not have the time to dedicate to our public meetings and get out um, and know what's going on in their community, what areas are being redeveloped, whereas in other communities that may be more affluent, they'll have, they may have more time to to come to those public meetings and express um, what they'd like to see and what they don't. So you're saying that in some, in some community, well, it can seem like a luxury to be able to have Mm -hmm. conversations around the development of your community. Is that what you're saying? So you're saying in some communities, it can be perceived as a luxury to be able to uh, come to a meeting that had, that's going to talk about the, the structural components of your neighborhood. Sure, definitely. I think it, it, it definitely is a luxury to be able to kind of influence the um, uh, the makers of whatever space. You know, if there's a, a new developer that's coming online and you say, hey, I want you to make a path that connects from the houses to the parks, you know, it may just seem like you're making a request, but that small requests can help improve the health and vitality of the community. So it really has a direct connection to quality of life. Um, so hopefully what me being a black urban planner, I can bring to the table the thoughts or concerns of the population um, as a whole, as best I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if not, hopefully I'm, I can help connect and attract people to those spaces where they can speak for themselves. Um, and that's the optimal situation. Um, so, yeah, so it's a it's a tough road to hoe, I guess. Um, and it, it, I think my understandings of how I can best serve my community in that frame is still kind of evolving. So how does that translate into the businesses in which you have 100% ownership and you can change the direction of them however you however you wish um, in terms of being an active part of the Black community, um, being a Black entrepreneur, how do you choose what spaces you're going to occupy? Sure. I think I don't hide my Blackness. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not, I come into the you know, I don't know if, if this is good or bad or ugly or, or indifferent. You know, I come into a room as a black woman and I own it. 
um, I own that, especially in my own work, you know, especially in um, my art, um, Avador June, the title itself is a combination of names and my family. And so just being able to use those names helps me reinforce my own identity. And so my pieces um, help me reinforce my own identity as well. So, um, you know, everything, especially on my own um, business side is very personal. And um, yeah, I don't, you know, paint faces that are devoid of color. You know, I, there are many colors in the spectrum and I try to use all the hues that I'm familiar with. So mm. I think that's how that shows up. Ah, I feel you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you had to think about your own aspirational pieces um, for your life in terms of, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm going full circle with this question with okay. how you started. Um, so if you had to think aspirationally, I'm not hundred percent sure that's the word, but I feel like it is. So I'm gonna roll with it. Uh, <laughs> if you had to think about the ways in which you want, um, to have a life mm. and have these businesses, mm. what might you change? What might be different for you? I think it would be cool for Avador June to have its own space at Currently, I um, I paint in my apartment, but I think it would be great to have some type of balance where I could paint in a like gallery or studio setting. All right, now, yes. So I'm gonna speak aspirationally. <laughs> yes, I like that. Send it up to God. Um, so yeah, and in that way, maybe I could also invite people into my space as I'm painting and maybe, you know, kind of talk about some of the things that I'm painting and, and hopefully that could become twofold. Um, I am fortunate that, um, I don't know, I guess I'm fortunate that I'm a millennial and we have these, you know, social networks and um, that's one way to connect to people. Um, but, for, but for a deeper and more thoughtful you know, face-to-face -face type of connection, I think it would be great to um, um, paint with others or create with others or even just get, get inspiration with others, be that, you know, visiting some art galleries and museums with people who are like-minded. Um, I think that that's a way to both feed my craft and, um, you know, get that social component of life mm -hmm. kind of fulfilled. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying a couple of things when it comes to um, having having a business and having a life. One is that you allow, or you're in a space now where your interests are bleeding into both the nine to five and the businesses in which you have started, mm -hmm. and that a sense of community seems to be very important to you in terms yeah. of feeling like you're having a sense of balance. Mm -hmm. Does that seem accurate? Yeah, I would definitely yeah. say so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So before you leave us, sad face, uh, can you tell the people, I know, can you tell the people where they might be able to find you and your work? Let us know where you are in the world. Sure. Just follow me on Instagram. I'm at Black Urbanist Traveler. So that's um, Black, U-R-B-A-N-I-S-T Traveler, two L's. 
Um, and there you'll find a link to um, Avador June as well. So you can find out a little bit more about my traveling as an urbanist and also um, view some of my work. All right, Francesca, that is fantastic. And I will actually include some of these links in the session notes so that um, if, you know, they might be driving or might not be had a pit and paper handy uh, mm -hmm. to write that down, but they can check it out um, when they look at the session notes for this episode. Um, so I want to thank you for being the very first interview. Um, I appreciate that so much. It was, it's always great to talk to my sissy. So, mm -hmm. Uh, let's see if you pass this test because last time you didn't do too well. <laughs> when when people ask you what you're doing, what you gonna tell them? Minding my black business. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Audre Lorde, who's a black writer, feminist, womanist, civil rights activist. She's written a lot of powerful words, but for today, I want to just highlight one of her quotes. We have to consciously study how to be tender with each other until it becomes a habit. I like this quote because it says a lot of things. It talks about the power of connection, which I 100% agree, that we can move further, we can move farther, we can even move better if we do it together. In order to do that though, we need to connect through relationship in a really genuine way. That's my hope for this podcast. That's my hope for our family, is that you all can find this as a space of reprieve, of support. You can kick off your shoes and relax. You can be kind and gentle to each other, encourage each other. And then we can get to a place where that is just how it is. As soon as you walk in the door, as soon as you listen to the podcast, you know that family's here and we're here to support you. So we're going to take the spirit of Audre Lorde and move forward and be tender with each other until it becomes in habit. So if you want to know more, if you like what you hear, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on this podcast. Also, follow our movement on our website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages at MindingMyBlackBusiness. So peace and blessings to us all. And don't forget, when they ask you what you're doing, just say I'm minding my black business.